The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. What's happening tonight, fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy joining you here. We're recording this on Wednesday, May the 9th, and um, well, you know, I thought we were winding things down, Brian, but uh, this uh, this football situation just doesn't want to let it go in May. I just, this is amazing. This is truly, it, 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 we can't, we just can't let Scott Frost go, can we? Well, I, I've said for a long time now that I, I think this whole you know the, the 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 word national championship and that whole debate and talk and this whole UCF debate is not going to go away. It, it's still going to be on someone's lips until UCF loses a game in the regular season, and then that's going to take another three or four days. People will tease UCF for right. losing, and they'll and tease then, them about oh they can't win the national championship now. And then after that, you will this will finally die. But that might not be until like late September. Yeah, it's so coming like, back. You guarantee, I'll guarantee oh, you it comes God. back like four days later. Like well, that's okay. We already won our national championship. <laughs> so we, so we, have, we we've got to talk about that. We're going to talk about baseball a little bit later with Murph. Uh, Lopez is not with us. Um, because I actually spoke to him earlier today. He's in Tampa um, covering the um, American Athletic Conference softball tournament, which uh, is being hosted by USF, begins Thursday. So by the time you actually hear this, it'll be time for you to um, to watch that on the American Digital Network, where Eric Lopez will be calling the games. He'll be doing play-by-play for the uh, for ADN on that. So... Um, so, but he did join me uh, to talk about um, UCF heading into the tournament, preview it a little bit, so we'll be getting in on that. Um, and uh, we'll also be talking about some of the other things that are taking place, checking up with uh, tennis. Women's tennis is getting ready for their first round of NCAAs. Golf is getting ready. Uh, we're going to check in also with uh, rowing and track and field as well. But let's dive in. Oh, before we get started, just a brief reminder for you to follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com where you can get all the latest uh, news, analysis, and opinion on UCF sports. You can follow us on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret, uh, facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Brian is at Spokes underscore Murphy. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter as well. And uh, by the way, if you haven't yet, make sure you... Uh, leave us a rating on our podcast here. Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. All right, let's dive in, Brian. Um, so here's the uh, story from this week. We're going to lead off with the Scott Frost controversy um, uh, having to do with UCF getting their national championship rings all right so um the staff the coaching staff they all had their championship rings sent to them it should also be noted that they also had their championship bonuses sent to them some time ago um and uh in an article in uh you on usa today um by george schroeder um he asks did central florida notice central florida go too far with its national championship celebration so 
uh, he asked uh, he asked Scott Frost about this, and uh, I'm actually pulling up the quote here. Um, let's see here. Um, it's <laughs> now it's a quote on it's a quote in every bedroom of every UCF student right oh, now. It is now. All right. So I'm so sure. he, he also talked to Danny White in this article to 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 be fair and. Uh, and he kind of mentions that White contends and Frost agrees that UCF did not really have a legitimate opportunity to reach the playoff. Um, this is what Frost said. Uh, in uh, the final rankings, uh, they were sent number 12. Let's see what Frost suggests. There was an invisible ceiling in place. That there was an... Frost calls it, quote, almost criminal, end quote. Frost also said, quote, I completely get behind their argument. I do think it was almost criminal how they kept UCF how low they kept UCF in the rankings, and I think it was intentional. But at the end of the day, the playoff system is that the national champion is the team that wins the playoff. Um, Schroeder uh, continues by saying, by writing, rather, if that sounds like Frost is not completely on board the national title train, it's because he's not. Quote from Frost, quote, All I'll say is, if we had stayed there, I would have had a hard time getting behind it. I think it was smart by them because it's kept UCF in the media and in the conversation. But, you know, like our rings, I kind of wish my ring just said undefeated season and Peach Bowl champion, end quote. So that got picked up in, uh, on social media. Brandon Helwig sent it out. Um, uh, and Brandon was throwing a little shade at Scott Frost here, saying, Scott Frost, now part of the establishment discredits UCF's national championship and even says he dislikes his ring. Cue the outrage machine. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so off we go. And uh, okay, so we're recording this. So we're recording this on Wednesday, May the 9th in the evening. Um, Thursday morning, Frost is actually going on Mike Bianchi's radio show at 815 Eastern time. So by the time you hear this podcast, that may already be over. I definitely recommend you check that out to see what Scott Frost says. But in the meantime, um, I was a little kind of taken aback by this, not because of Frost talking about the rings, but I think when you, and, I, and I'll get your opinion on this uh, in a minute, Brian, because I know you're itching mm-hmm. to get in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... I think what he's doing, it, what he's doing by saying that is he's casting aspersions on the effort of his players at UCF and his coaching staff. And, you know, we can talk about the merits of UCF's national championship claim all we want. But, you know, and I wrote on Black and Gold Banneret, um, you know, I kind of, kind of stepped into, you know, were I in Scott Frost's shoes, here's what I would have said as an answer to that question. And uh, basically I took the tack and you can read it on black and gold that, Hey, I'm, you know, yeah, we are, we were national champions at UCF and it's, uh, and it's a, it's a tribute to my, to the players that I had who are all amazing. It's not UCF's fault that they, uh, that they weren't in the playoff. You know, we did everything that we were asked of and then some plus, you know, winning weeks and winning games in 11 consecutive weeks after the hurricane, um, beating Auburn, um, you know, kind of went in on, on the national college football, SEC media a little bit. Um, 
and that the system is not a fair system, and and you know that it could it could screw Nebraska if things break a certain way. You know the way it's the way it's set up now with it basically being a four team BCS instead of a two team BCS like we had before. Um, so that was my sort of take on that. So my thing is, what say you about this? Like what what is it's obviously this is this is kind of a you know there's a part of this that understandably is a little bit of a media creation but what did you think about what frost said what he actually said and Mm -hmm. and how it's being interpreted by ucf fans well, i mean the interpretation is predictable i mean because it it does come off as you know, a slight. So UCF fans uh, are upset. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of UCF fans are still upset, even though they shouldn't be. They're upset that that Frost isn't here anymore. Uh, so that's part of it. Now he's gone. And he's sort of talking, you know, a little bit like talking about them when they can't. When he's gone, it just sort of feels um, it upsets them. I understand that. I don't really have a problem with what he actually said um, because he's really has, doesn't owe he doesn't owe that to UCF to say that uh, that you know yes we were national champions or anything like that he, and he actually did stick up for UCF and saying that uh, the system pushed you know kept them out for so long and it was unjustified with what they did I mean that at least was a, in, in defense of UCF, of UCF and and it's true and that's true and it's a good point and so people aren't playing that up enough they're they're more about talking about how he, you know, has disparaged UCF by saying it's not really national championship, and I don't like my, I don't, I don't like the ring, or whatever. Well, he didn't say that. He just said he wanted the ring to look different. He didn't say he didn't like the ring. He just said he wanted to look different. We're putting, we're putting words in his mouth because we're yeah. upset at Scott. He, Frost. he said, he said, to be fair, yeah, I wish it. I, I kind of wish my ring just said undefeated season and Peach Bowl champion. Yeah, now, I mean, but does again, he, but here's my question: Does he owe it to his players? Uh, well, are we sure that his players don't share some sentiment there? I mean, they're all going to come out and say national champions because that's what the fan base wants to hear and everything like that. But are we sure that some of the players are like, you know, we know that there is still like one like nationally recognized championship and it's crowned through the CFP and, um, you know, there's... I think the players are looking at that would look at this and say, "Yeah, of course the systems the system screwed us. It sucks." And you know what? I w- we would play Alabama tomorrow in in a parking lot if we could. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I mean that's fine. I, I also think, and the reason why I'm sort of stuttering here is because I'm trying to think of a reason why I need I I, I want to give some importance to this, but for me, I saw the comment. And I completely glossed over it because this is a story. <laughs> this is a story that is that can, that this is the type of story that gains traction in college football in May when there's nothing happening. Spring right. ball is over. Camps don't open until a few more months. We yeah, need something to fill the time. That, that's fair. That this is such a May college football story. And this, is, and this, this is like what what Tony Kornheiser said a few weeks ago um, when people were asking him about uh, like there was a tiff between Steve Kerr and. A player on the Warriors, and they asked him on his podcast why they why he talked about that story uh, with Wilbon in the A block, in the first block of PTI, and he said we need five stories to fill the A block. Which again, <laughs> it's like yeah. So one thing when you watch 
you know, punditry on sports media, understand that everything that's said first or said that opening block before the commercial isn't actually the most important stories. Some of it's just filler. They need to put things in there because they're not enough to talk about. We need and in college <laughs> Right. So we're going to talk about something. And so in college football, we got to talk about something. We can, you know, we can look at teams for in the fall and still react to what we saw in spring ball. But really, there's nothing going on right now. So this is a fishing line out into the wilderness, out into the, the lake. And you pull ashore a, a quote and you rip it apart and you dissect it. And what does it mean? And it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't. So, well, why so, then, so, so why then, if you're Scott Frost, do you agree yes. to go on a drive time morning radio show in Orlando three days after this happened? I'm, well, I'm, I'm certain. I think we're all interested to see what he has to say. Right. I mean, and I think now that he's not with UCF, uh, that he doesn't have to hold any sort of school line, uh, you know, school party line. Like, I feel like this, this interview that he's doing tomorrow, uh, with Mike Bianchi, correct? Correct. Uh, Thursday is, it's going to be fairly on. I, I would trust anything he says because he has no reason to, to lie about anything he's going to say about UCF. I mean, he has no reason to, to, you know, to blow smoke. I mean, he's gone from here. So I think everything he's going to say would be true. I'm I'm not sure why he's doing it or or if he's going to apologize or that'd be sort of weird. But again, not sure what he's going to say. I am looking forward to it because I think whatever he says, you can trust him when he says it. Um, I'd also point out too, like Nebraska will not in any way find itself in a position that UCF found itself in because with the Big Ten, if they're not in that Big Ten title game, it doesn't really matter what they really do. Uh, they're not going to be in the top four, and there's going to be a reason for that because they lost games. Um, so it'll never, it'll never affect Nebraska the way it affected UCF. Um, but, you know, I, I have no problem with it, what he said. I have no problem with how UCF fans have reacted. Uh, it's, you know, it's been a little over the top. But again, this is this is fan bases for you. In fact, fan bases are are sort of crazy sometimes. And I think we're we are blowing it up to be a bigger story than it is but only because there's nothing else in the world to talk about in college football right now other than looking forward to a season that's still three or four months away. I'll leave, I'll leave it with this, and then we'll talk about baseball. Um, uh, my uncle on my wife's side, he's a former college basketball assistant coach, and he said something really interesting um, about team building that I, I was talking with him one time. He said, if you want to unify people, the most effective way to do it is to give them the same thing to hate. Hmm. And in this case, I think it has been a master stroke of rallying the fan base, which, as we all know, and Eric will vouch for this, has been at times, let's say, lethargic. <laughs> it, it, if you give... If you're if you give the UCF fan base the same thing to hate, and let's call it the quote college football establishment end quote, whether or not Scott Frost is in it is immaterial, um, but you know it, it will rally the troops, and that's something that I think UCF has been waiting for, and that's also why I think it's another facet of why this was such a brilliant masterstroke by. Danny White is he's now managed to rally the fan base around a cause and that UCF is the standard bearer of that cause. And will it res will it result in higher television ratings, more people coming to games? I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. But it's just that it, it's it's another way, a creative way that UCF has found 
or managed to find traction with this fan base even more. You know, they've modernized the football program. They've made it much more open, much more fan friendly, given more access to people, you know, with the videos and all that. But now, and obviously the style of play and everything, but now it's, now they have a galvanizing issue to take up. So it's it's something that's even bigger than UCF that they care about. So, um, all right. So let's leave it right there. Obviously, um, we'll be following what Frost says on the Bianchi show. Um, probably tweet that link out as well once it gets uh, once it gets sent out. So that's that interview scheduled for Thursday, May the tenth. If you haven't listened to it yet, just pop on back to our Twitter feed and take a listen and take a look at um, the article that I put up about what I thought Scott Frost should have said. All right, it is it is a good it is a good take. I mean, you sort of write you write from the point of view. Thank of you, you thought, Brian. That's very kind of you. <laughs> for, for, for a topic, for a topic I don't care about in the slightest. It's a good article because you do do a decent job of trying to write from <laughs> damning from, with faint like, praise. <laughs> exactly, but it's a no. I I like the article. The topic is fluff. <laughs> Look, it's it's May. We got. It's the, we got to find some way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you, you do a nice job of, of like, you know, this is what Frost should have said. And it's very detailed. It's, it's got a good link to it. I thought the structure was good. It's, it's a very good article. I'm not just saying that to say that. I, you know, if I, was, if I was really trying to lie to you, I'd say that this topic meant something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's up there. Make sure you check it out at blackandcoldbanneret.com. All right. Speaking of teams that are playing right now, uh, it is, uh, let's take a look at baseball. They are, um, coming off, um, well in conference two out of three at Houston ain't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they won the first two again, they managed to somehow not win the Sunday game, which just annoys the living crap out of me as you know, <laughs> but, um, but Hey, like I said, two out of three on the road ain't bad. They're coming off. However, a loss down at FAU on Tuesday, eleven to eight was the final in that game. So the Knights have split their last their last four. They actually had won four in a row prior to losing their last two. If you want to look at it that way, if you're a glass half empty guy. But um, uh, so right now they stand at uh, what's the record? Oh, there it is, thirty two and seventeen, uh, and no conference game. This weekend, because because this is the odd this is the odd conference weekend out. Um, so the Knights welcome Oklahoma out of the Big Twelve to John Uliano Park Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, uh, so the Knights are so while everyone else catches up with UCF, who um, right now are at uh, eleven and ten in the conference, uh, three games back in the loss column to Houston for first place. In the American, um, they have this big out-of-conference series with Oklahoma. First, Brian, let's look back at the, the weekend with Houston and then the follow-up against FAU. Um, how are they feeling coming off of this? You know, it's one thing that – is it is it glass half-empty half or glass half-full? Is it, hey, we beat Houston two out of three and they're ranked on the road? Or is it, man, we could have swept them and we didn't? No, I think this is, I think this is glass half-full, certainly. I mean, you're going on the road – against Houston. You have to remember coming into that series, Houston had won seven consecutive conference games, including a sweep of a top 10 team on the road and then swept Wichita state as well. Like the Houston was the hottest team in the conference bar none. Right. So to go, so to go there and take the first two, uh, really the, the, the both ends of a double header, which is I think more difficult 
uh, was something that they, it almost made the Sunday game feel like gravy if they had won it. Like, you know, winning one would have been pretty decent. You would have been sort of perturbed, but winning one would have been great. Winning two is the ultimate goal, and winning three is just a flood of gravy. So mm. I think they felt pretty good. And the loss to FAU uh, is not its not awful. I mean, FAU is now has an RPI of 31, uh, which, you know, it's, it, they're, they're, they've been playing very well this year. And UCF's RPI is still at 29 as of today. Um, so, you know, I, I think coming into the series against Oklahoma, uh, a team with an RPI of, I think, 40 or 41 now, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's another big series. And I think this team, I'm, gonna, I'm interested to see what I get as far as responses tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to go talk to Lovelady and a couple of the players uh, on Thursday afternoon at the park. And because uh, UCF really doesn't have a shot uh, at re- repeating as regular season uh, American Athletic Conference champions like they did last year. Uh, they're just too far behind and they just only have three conference games left. There's too many teams to jump over them. There's too many teams that they need to jump over, some of which have, you know, four or six conference games left. So it's just it's 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 just too much. But I think for this team, the goal isn't it shouldn't be the conference regular season t- championship. It should be we just got to win because right yeah. now they're 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 you know pretty much on the bubble or just maybe just barely off the bubble and in, in the NCAA tournament, but it's not safe. They're not in a safe space in the NCAA tournament, which is what the ultimate goal there really is. Well, they've clinched obviously at the spot in the uh, American tournament. This is this is kind of such a weird week because they are the team that's you know has only uh, they are the only team right now. Well, they in Houston are the only teams that have played twenty one conference games at this point. Yeah. And I'm looking up and down at the standings, and you see the overall records, right? Everyone except for Cincinnati, who, by the way, is 10-8 and eight in the league ahead of UCF, Tulane, and Memphis, they all have 29 wins, at least. All right, so, you know, one more to 30. We could have one, two, three, four, five, six teams with 30 wins in the league and possibly seven if Cincinnati gets hot. But, um, you know, again, this speaks to, I think, how, how good the conference is this year. So, yeah, you know, what is the best-case scenario right now for UCF as they end the regular season or as they look for seeding in the conference tournament? Because right now, they're sitting in sixth. They would face East Carolina in that first in their first game in the conference tournament, remember it's a double elimination tournament, so all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff could happen. But they would be in a side of the bracket that has USF, East Carolina, uh, and then uh, themselves in two lanes. So, is that where you want to be right now? Are they are they fine? Are they actually okay just standing pat in that in that cluster? Well, so they have. So UCF has only one conference series left. It's next weekend. It's at home, and against it's against Tulane, mm-hmm. who is seven and eleven on the year and twenty two and twenty seven uh, overall. And Not because <laughs> no, I mean it, it, it's a series that UCF, if they really wanted to, and their RPI is very high. I mean, well, high in a bad sense. Uh, that if they want, if UCF really, I, I think that's the kind of series that, like, if UCF needs a sweep, that's a sweep they probably should get at home against Tulane on your final weekend of the regular season, it's something that, that you might look at that series like, you know, they may, they may, need, they may need to throw all three games here. Um, but I think really, I don't know if this team can really look forward to their their tournament, their conference tournament positioning because 
three of the four teams in front of them, three, well, excuse me, three of the five teams in front of them have six conference games remaining. Yeah. Uh, UCF only has three. So it really depends. Their, their positioning really depends more on what do those other six teams, what do those other teams do with their six games left and, our, and we only have our three. And I think UCF's worst case scenario is they stay at six because they do have an easy final final conference, uh, a relatively easy final conference series. And Tulane is actually the team right, right next to them, right below them in the, in the standing. So mm-hmm. basically, if they win that series, they're going to be at no worse than six. Um, but if they sweep that series and then maybe some other teams fall, they could work themselves up to like four, you know, three or four. I, it's just, you know, I don't know if they care. And I think if I asked, you know, Coach Lovelady, he would give you what he usually gives you when you ask about, you know, opponents or seating or where are they playing a home and road. He's always going to give you the same sentiment, which is we play against the ball. And that sounds boring. It's also huge coach speak, but his players have bought into it. And it's true. Like in baseball, you, you don't play against the uniform or whatever you play against what the ball does and they're, they're playing against the ball. So, so that's a line they're writing. And um, I think just for this week and for really for the rest of the season, it's again, it's not so much about the conference tournament as it is, is positioning yourself for the NCAA tournament. And this, this uh, non-conference uh, uh, late non-conference series against Oklahoma is rather intriguing. Yeah. Uh, what do we know about Oklahoma coming in? I, I know that you mentioned that their RPI is around 40, which is actually below UCF. You may, we may look at that and say, you know, probably at the beginning of the season, we we're like, wow, okay, Oklahoma coming into town, all right? You know, the big conference team late in the season, that could probably help our RPI. It may end up hurting UCF's RPI a little bit. Um, but, but, but what do we know about them, and what, what do we expect in this series? Well... It, it was looking. This Oklahoma series was looking great. Uh, no, you know, about two weeks ago, yeah, uh, or a little more so when Oklahoma was just running through the Big Twelve, and then they hit the skids in a really hard way. Uh, I think they lost seven of nine before they just came back and they swept Kansas State. Um, so they're they're sort of they're sort of recovering a little bit uh, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, they're down to forty. They were up near ten in the RPI. It's still a big series. It's still going to help you a little bit if you take two out of three. It's it's one of those things. It's not like it's not like uh, they're facing you know USC upstate, you know, which you know is some some really really bad team. Like this is still going to help you if you win the series. Um, but Oklahoma, Delaware State, you know, it should be mentioned, is uh, last in the uh, in Division One in RBI at number two ninety seven. That that's see, it's not like that. And I, even though <laughs> even though Oklahoma is below UCF in the RPI, it's still a pretty big series against a big, you know, power quote unquote power conference opponent. Although the AAC in baseball is totally a power conference uh, now. Uh, and I'll tell you one thing about Oklahoma that is fascinating. Uh, so they have basically the the backup quarterback, or well, the guy who should be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma this year is on the baseball team. Uh, and the thing is, he's a redshirt sophomore. His name is Kyler Murray. He is he was uh, uh, Baker Mayfield's backup at Oklahoma last year, and he's been playing football and baseball at Oklahoma for his first two years. Really, well, yeah, two years since he's a redshirt sophomore. Well, because he's a redshirt sophomore, he could possibly be drafted this year. He's had a really good season uh, at Oklahoma on the diamond. Uh, his bat tools really picked up. He's a really fast kid. He kind of looks like Johnny Manziel on the football field. So he's got some some huge speed. 
uh, a good arm, and and he's really learned how to hit the ball a lot better and strike out less. And he could be drafted in the first like two or three rounds, maybe even like the high second round. And so Oklahoma football might actually lose their quarterback to the MLB draft in hmm. about a month. But we don't know yet. I, I think it's interesting because because maybe he decides to come back and play again because he doesn't have to leave. Like he can come back. He's, he'll only be a junior this fall. Right. He can come back and play and, and be the starter for Oklahoma <laughs> uh, in football. And and yet we'll we'll see him on the diamond here over the weekend. And hmm. we can point we can point to him and say, yeah, I saw him play. I saw him play baseball, but I saw him play. Interesting. All right, so mm-hmm. so we'll get a good look at him. We'll get a good look at Oklahoma. Hopefully, that if they heat up, that'll actually help out the RPI down the stretch. So the uh, series uh, looks like this. I had it a second ago. Where'd it go? There it is. So uh, Friday, 6.30, Saturday, 6.30, Sunday, 1 p.m. I think the weather's going to hold up. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't foresee any start time changes, but they're all at John Uliano Park, and they'll be on UCFnights.tv. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to set the table for the for the American Athletic Conference softball tournament, which is coming up this weekend. Starts actually Thursday. Uh, UCF is uh, it's a single elimination tournament. UCF is in the it will be playing Memphis in the first round in the four or five matchup. And Eric Lopez is down there. He's doing the games for the American Digital Network, and he uh, checked in with me uh, earlier uh, to sort of set the table for the uh, American Athletic Conference softball tournament. So we'll have Eric when we get back, and we'll check in with golf, tennis, track and field, and everything else uh, when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. 
Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy with you. Blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Um, let's switch gears over to softball as their tournament is happening uh, this coming weekend. goes Thursday through Saturday down in Tampa, uh, the American Athletic Conference softball tournament. Eric Lopez is down there, actually. He's uh, uh, calling the games for the American Digital Network. He's calling six games in the next two days. All the quarters and the semis. The championship game is noon Sunday on uh, on or noon Saturday, I should say on um, uh, on ESPN two. But uh, Lopez is down there and uh, and he will be covering everything. So uh, a little bit earlier, he called in, and uh, I wanted to get the lay of the land from the UCF side, and then also see uh, how UCF or how the what their shot is at the postseason. Um, based on how they might do in the tournament. So uh, here's Eric Lopez. All right, joining me now, Eric Lopez uh, from Tampa, where the site of the American Athletic Conference Softball Championship begins Thursday, May the 10th, goes through May the 12th, hosted by uh, USF, and uh, Eric is there in uh, in. In adversarial territory, covering uh, covering the tournament for the American Digital Network. Eric, uh, what's going on over there? How, how's everything looking over there? Are they ready to go or what? Everybody's ready to go. Beautiful weather. I mean, there is not a cloud to be found, which is great, especially after going through this last year in Greenville, where the tournament got misty rain the whole tournament. So I think everybody's happy with the weather. I could tell you that every team got in early even earlier than usual. Like I know for a fact, Connecticut, for example, they flew straight from Tulsa to Tampa. Wichita State's been here since Thursday because they played USF in the regular season finale. East Carolina's been here since Sunday because they bust from UCF to uh, to here right after the game on Sunday. So everybody's happy, I think, with Tampa and the weather and everybody's getting their practices in today, obviously, as we record this. So I think everybody's ready. Everybody's excited. Everybody knows what's on the line and what's at stake. So it's, it's the best time of year. Yeah. Well, we've got, you know, here's the situation for um, for UCF right now. Obviously, this is a single elimination tournament. And, um, you know, I, I, and I had, it, you probably saw this. I, I, I had a, um, uh, one of our, uh, one of the folks on the, um, or Kevin Reyes, right, on the UCFsports.com message board. You know, I, I told him, I said, you know, I really wish that the softball tournament was double elimination just like uh, just like baseball, and you and I have talked about this before, but he brought up a good point. He's like, not you know, <laughs> but we really only have one pitcher. UCF does in Aaliyah White. So my question to you is: Here comes UCF as the four seed, and um, by the way, you know, even though they're the four seed, let's not forget the fact that UCF actually finished just two games behind USF for first place. USF finished fourteen well, and seven, Houston well, thirteen and, and, and eight, and UCF not, tied with Wichita at twelve and nine. Sure. So, um, yeah. so the way this tournament actually shakes out for UCF could be quite favorable to them if they can throw a Leah White three straight days, right? Absolutely. Well, she's used to it now. I mean, she did that this past weekend against East Carolina, so I don't think that's as big of a factor. And by the way, it's tied for third. If you really want to, uh, True. you know, kind of break it down, it's tied for third in the fourth best conference in college softball. I think that. And I think you know one of you. Know, you meant, that's going to be one of the narratives this week, uh, Jeff. Is 
not only in our broadcast, but uh, throughout the week, is we're pushing the narrative that this is the fourth best conference in, in college softball. You and Murph are going to talk about how baseball is the third or fourth best conference in college baseball, and you see them getting rewarded by teams being ranked and probably getting five, six bids in, where in softball, they're kind of like uh, glaciers. They're slow to, dev- to to understand that. I mean, certain networks believe that the only college softball that exists is in the Southeastern Conference, okay? So <laughs> there's a lot of perception and biasness going on in college softball that people don't realize. This is the fourth best league. This is way better than the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's better than the Big Ten, and that's not an opinion. That's a fact. That's, that's telling you that. Everybody's got great wins in this league over major programs, and yet Everybody kind of treats it like, well, you know, it's a, you know, maybe a two-bid league. No, it should be a four-bid league, to, quite frankly, if people do their homework. But uh, the sport is slow. In, in, in the, in, you know, people, I know people talk about the college football being biased towards Power Five. I think it's actually worse than softball. I actually I think it's way worse than softball. Um, and I don't think because people don't do their homework in softball. Uh, you may not agree with the football's committee's opinion, but they do do their homework. You may not agree with it, but they do homework. Softball, I think there's questions whether they do their homework or not. I think people just kind of look at RPI numbers and look at the brand names and, and just put them in. And I've, I've, I've written about this on fastpitchnews.com where you, I break down how teams do against the top 50 and top 100. For example, you realize, I don't know how many people would realize this, because people focus on UCF's RPI. And I'm gonna, I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but, you know, why not? It's a podcast. <laughs> so they have a 61 RPI, right? So everybody jumps to conclusions on that. Yet, if you, scr- if you, you, know, you break down the numbers, they have more top 50 wins than Texas. Texas, yeah. whose RPI is 39, for example. People wouldn't uh, grasp that. They have more top 25 wins than Texas. UCF has three wins against top 25 teams in the RPI. Texas has one. That's just one example of many. The thing that hurts UCF from an RPI standpoint is they have a couple of losses they, that does not good on the resume against the Princeton, but they didn't throw a Leah White in those games. So you're being punished for games, and they were not 100% in full health, as we've talked about. So you're, you, people just don't do their homework, and, I, and that's my biggest gripe is just don't look at an RPI number and call it a day and go to lunch. Do your research. Do your top 50s, top 25s. Now, look, I think at the end of the day it'll play itself out, but I, I think that's what this sport needs is to open their eyes. There's more good softball than ever before in this sport, and it's not just in the Southeastern Conference or in the Pac-12 like some of the people that cover this and the main networks may, uh, want you to believe. Yeah, well, here, here's an interesting Thing I look, I'm looking at the latest RPI, which came out Monday, May the sixth, and all twelve SEC schools are in the top yeah. twenty-three in the RPI. And just to give you some perspective on that, the number of Pac-12 schools now Oregon and UCLA are numbers one and two respectively. But um, even though the Pac-12 has four of the top seven, let's see five. Six. They only have six well, in the top twenty-four, so that gives you an idea well, here, of how, well, how much right. they've do, they've uh, they've uh, dove in on the uh, on the SEC. Um, right. And I should say, I, I, I know I mentioned twelve. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss, you know, is uh, not all twelve because Correct. you have fourteen. But Ole Miss is thirty-fourth. Uh, Correct. And then you have to go Correct. for a while to but, find but, the next one. But but yeah, but I mean, here, that shows you the bias you're talking about. But here's one of, and here's one of the major issues in softball right now. Uh, you, you cover every sport, so you could. So one of the biggest storylines going in on Selection Sunday night is going to be Missouri. For those that don't know the story, Missouri is one game over 500 for the regular season. Think about that, one game over 500. Yeah, 28 and they 27. They're 23rd in the RPI. Yes. 
they bought themselves out of – they were supposed to play Wichita State last week in the regular season, two games at Wichita State. They paid Wichita State $5,000 to get out of those two games. They added Arkansas Pine Bluff to get those two wins so they could stay at 500 because you have to be 500 to be eligible for the NCAA tournament. That's why they're one game over 500. They missed the SEC tournament, which is they're, – they're hosting. And yet, only wow, in softball, really? Jeff. <laughs> yeah, That's and, and only in so- it's embarrassing. And yet, Jeff, only in softball is they would they put in uh, they would put them in in the NCAA field. Well, as yeah. you know, this is this was basketball. If this was football, they wouldn't even sniff it. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, it, nonetheless, the the situation that UCF finds himself in in fighting with some of these teams for potentially an at large. I mean, if UCF wins, obviously wins the tournament, you know, then. All of this is a moot point, but and I think UCF has just as good a shot to win it as any, anybody. Like we said, you're tied at it's, they're tied at third uh, in the standings, even though they are the fourth seed. So they come and they play the fifth seed Memphis in the first round. Um, game is set for 4 p.m. on Thursday, and you can watch all these games on the American Digital Network uh, if you go to theamerican.org. Um, Eric, you'll be calling these games. Um, Let's start actually for use on the UCF side with just a preview of this Memphis game coming up. Obviously, uh, second to last game of the first session before USF plays, uh, the, who's the top seed, by the way, plays number eight, UConn. Um, what's going to be the outlook for UCF in this game uh, as, they, as they start the tournament against, uh, against, a, against the five seed Memphis? Well, UCF played them in Orlando earlier this year, won two out of three. Memphis is a type of team that plays with a lot of slappers. They like to have speed. They like to put pressure on your defense. So I think all eyes are going to be UCF has to be sound defensively because Memphis wants to get on base, slap the ball, manufacture runs. That's their game. They've got a really good pitcher in the senior and Molly Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've beaten Ole Miss, speaking of which, you mentioned them earlier. They're a really good ball club. They're having their best year in many years there, and they're – a team that's capable. They've got veterans. So I think that's going to be the key in that matchup is how do UCF play defensively well. And then, you know, they hit Molly and they hit Memphis pitching pretty well, but it's a new year. As you mentioned, it's a one game deal. And, uh, you know, I think getting off to a good start is imperative for both teams. Uh, because I don't think either team in this stadium, you're not, this is not a home run park. It's 230 to center, 210 to left center and right center. So it's more of a gap type of ballpark. So that favors, if you put a ball down, you could get some extra bases. So I think it's get off to a good start, play well defensively clean, which has been the story for UCF all year. And obviously you got to hope that Ali is on her game and then don't give any free passes. And, you know, look, timely hitting. I mean, this is not brain surgery. I mean, in postseason and the, the, all these, exec, you know, you execute in, with runners on base, even becomes even more imperative. So I think that's what you're looking at. And you can't worry about what your future outlook is as far as the postseason. you got to take it one game at a time. I think if, you know, if UCF losing, doesn't win this game, I don't think they're going to make the tournament. I think they have to probably get to the final to have a shot to get in, probably win it. You know, obviously win it. You don't have to worry about it. But I think you get, it's a very even matchup. I mean, i, I got to tell you, this is my fourth year in the American this is my 12th conference tournament I've covered going back to the 07 Conference USA tournament. I don't remember being part of a league this deep. There's this deep where there's six teams that have won 30 games or more. You have a, the sixth seed is the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, who are the two-time defending conference tournament champions. And, oh, by the way, have swept Oklahoma State this year. That gives you an idea how deep this league is. Right. East Carolina's beaten James Mann. UConn, who's the eighth seed, has beaten number seven-ranked Texas A&M. So, I mean, that's how good this league is. 
you know, looking at the team numbers too, Eric, you know, this this first game for UCF is going to be such a tough one because Memphis is the top-hitting team in the conference. They're hitting 306 as a team. No other team is hitting 300 is hitting above the 300 mark. Uh, and then if UCF is able to get past Memphis in the first round, they would likely face USF, who's playing the eight seed UConn. You never know, but um, but USF is the number two team in the conference in hitting uh, at two ninety four this year. By the way, it should also be mentioned that Memphis is a terror on the base paths. Um, they've stolen eighty five bases as a team. That's by far and away the most uh, in the league. Um, you know, we t- I, t- I mentioned earlier Aaliyah White going out there. What's going to be the key for her in this matchup against, like I said, the best hitting team in the conference? <clears throat> Throw strikes, get ahead of hitters, keep them off the base pads. You don't want to give walks. You don't want you know that's going to be the key. And you know, again, de- defensively they got to be on. They got to be on. They got to be at the right position, make the right plays because Memphis depends on their speed. That's how they they get on base, and they want to put they want to put you on your heels. So that's a big factor. That when Memphis beat UCF, that's how they did it. But if you know how you do it, you're overpowering. You get out. If they can't get on base, they can't hurt you. That's the thing. So uh, you know, if she's on her game and she's pitched well against USF, she pitched well against USF the last time they were here. I think that helps. I think it helps that they were just here two weeks ago, so they're familiar with this field. So. Uh, look, I mean, I get your point about the whole single elimination. It's, it's, you know, anything can hand them. It's random, as we've talked about on this podcast with softball and baseball. It's random, so you just never know. You just got to play your best. And I think this year in particular, there are no gimmies. There's no – this is not like yeah. years past where you're like, man, we got a favorable matchup. There's no gimmies. It's gonna, the, the team that wins this conference tournament is going to earn it because they're going to play three good games. It's as simple as that. And like I said, I can make the argument for six to seven teams. Can I think six teams that can win this conference very easily. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. So they just got to play their game play well and I think the fact that they're familiar with this area will help them and maybe some of those nerves because as you know the first games always are the toughest because you got to get those nerves out and realize hey it's just another game I actually think if UCF were to get past that game I think they might be in good shape but you got to get past that first game and Memphis is a veteran team with a senior pitcher so you just never know it's a it's 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 going to be interesting game to, to say at least yeah, and if they get and if UCF gets through Memphis, like we said, then they have USF. Um, right. They, the Knights lost two out of three in Tampa when they met in the right. uh, regular season, uh, including a two to one in the rubber game uh, that was back uh, at the very tail the last weekend of April. So not that long ago, um, you know. And and for USF, the key I think is is also going to be the pitching. They're the top seed, but. Um, you know, that all that said, you know, they are probably as vulnerable a top seed in any of the conference in any of the conference tournaments that we see here uh, as we head toward uh, as we head toward the end of the season. So, um, the, again, you know, this is going to be the key opportunity for UCF to play a team that's, you know, 24 and nine at home in the conference tournament. But, you know, they're only finished only two games out. And boy, so, so you talked about it all the time that, you know, college softball just turns on uh, on a flip of a coin sometimes. You know, the, the, we talked about the two UConn games with the weather. You know, UCF wins those two games. They're tied for first with USF. We've seen, some, we've seen the, the walk-off games, the, 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 the two losses right. in the walk-off games against Wichita State. If, um, if, they, if, they, if they win those two, you're two, you could argue they're two swings away from being the one seed in the conference champions right now. Being all alone as the one seed. Right, right. You know, so two to three I, swings. I mean, that's how close this league is. Right. So my question to you is, what are the what's the what would you say is the percentage chance that UCF wins the tournament outright? 
And then what would you say is the percentage chance that UCF gets into the tournament if they reach the semifinal and or in the final? I think they got to reach the final because you would have beaten the one seed, I would assume, in that scenario. Right. That would be a nice quality top 40 win. And, and, in a, and in a way, they would need UConn. To, they, they do need USF to beat UConn because if, if UConn all of a sudden has a great day. It helps the RPI. Right. right. It helps your numbers and all that stuff if that's where to take place. And if you get to the final, you're going to be on ESPN2, which means there's a lot of exposure. And, uh, you know, you don't know what's going on in the other conferences, in the other sports, so like in the other conferences. Like Oregon State, for example, is a team that's a 500 team that if they lose two out of three this weekend to Utah, they're not eligible. So that could open up a spot. So it's hard to handicap that. Um, I, 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 they, I, in my opinion, I, I strongly believe they have to make the final. I would. I don't think if they lose in the opening round or even lose in the semis, I, I don't. I don't know if it's in the cards for them to make it in. Not saying that they don't deserve to be in because I've broken. I've already broken down their resume. But unfortunately, Jeff, the committee and the way the sport is right now, it is very favoritism to two major conferences, and they're not. Where we haven't grown up yet and realize where the sport is. You know, you know the analogy where players, sometimes the game is too fast for them. Yeah. I feel that for the committee, this sport has grown too fast for them. I think they're still thinking this is 1995 and that there's only, you know, a handful of teams that are very good. And they haven't realized that there's really good softball in the American conference. There's really good softball in other conferences and this sport there's more than uh, you need. You, more than 60 teams can make the field. You don't need teams that are 500 overall to make the tournament. Uh, so that's why, like college baseball. If this was, if, if college baseball was running college softball, I feel like UCF would be in right now because they wouldn't just look at the RPI. They would look at the body of work. And I think Houston in baseball is the perfect example. I've made that comparison. Baseball for Houston, they don't have a great resume uh, RPI. I think the RPI is in the 50s. But a lot of the baseball people have them in because they realize, hey, they're in the, one of the best leagues in the conference. And they're, you know, again, I got to remember, UCF won 12 games, 12 games in the fourth best conference in college softball. They have beaten the SEC regular season champion. They have beaten, which was Florida. They've beaten Long Beach State, which is a top 20 team. I mean, in any other sport, it would be a no-brainer. But unfortunately, uh, we're, we are what we are. As far as the conference tournament, I, I think it's an even, I, I, you know, you have to make USF the favorite. They're the home team. Uh, they're really good. Gina Corrick, the freshman pitcher, is phenomenal. I think they're the they're the favorites. I think Houston maybe is playing the best softball coming into this tournament. They I think they have the best pitcher in the conference, and Savannah Hebner personally. Mm. Um, and she's tops in the conference in the RA to one point oh seven yeah. in two hundred and ten mm-hmm. innings. That's unbelievable. She leads the nation in shutouts with twelve. So um, I don't know what the. What, I mean, you, you're better at math than I am. I mean, I would say though that. Everybody's kind of in that 25% range. You know, everybody's kind of – everybody slices the pie. Like, I would say Connecticut and East Carolina are the longest shots. Mm-hmm. But I can honestly say I would make USF the slight favorite with Houston. And then from three to six, I think they're even. And I think they're about maybe 5%, 10% off from the leaders. If, if I don't know if that math works but <laughs> from a pie standpoint. But I think it's that good. I think it's that competitive league. This is not a league where, oh, I can pick one or two teams to win it and everybody else has no – no, this – I'm telling you. Do not be surprised if you see Memphis win this league. Don't be surprised if you see Tulsa win this league. I think UCF can win this league uh, this week. I think it, it's really – and I wouldn't be shocked if we have a big upset where they're East Carolina. Maybe they could have – they've beaten Houston this year. Uh, Connecticut's got good young pitching. That would be the biggest upset if UConn were to beat USF. But they'll play the games, and we'll see what happens. All right, so it's single elimination. Again, the tournament starts with all four quarterfinals Thursday, May the 10th. 
in Tampa. It's all on the American Digital Network. The first game starts uh, at 10 a.m. That's the three Wichita State against the six Tulsa. And then they go 10 at 1230 in the first session. And then the second session, starting with UCF, the four seed against number five Memphis, is at 4 p.m. on Thursday on the American Digital Network. And that's followed by the one seed USF against the eight seed UConn. And just to, uh, just to keep you updated on the schedule, the semifinals on Friday are at 2 and 4.30. Championship game scheduled for Saturday at noon, and uh, that will be on ESPN2. By the way, the semifinals on American Digital Network again. Final on ESPN2, noon Saturday. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Eric, here's to UCF winning today. Uh, and then beating USF tomorrow, and then beating either Wichita or Houston on Sunday, because that would certainly strengthen the uh, the resume big time. Because remember, Wichita Wichita is the top um, RPI team right now coming into the weekend out of the AAC uh, at 32. Houston's at 35. USF's at 42. So the Knights have uh, some work to do, but. If you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. So, where will we be able yeah. to uh, where will we be able to see you? I know you're working for the Digital Network all this weekend, yeah. so uh, give us an update on that. Well, you mentioned the American Digital Network. It'll be on the conference's Facebook Live. It'll be on the uh, YouTube page on the conference, like they have been. I'll be joined by Sydney Gerback, former Houston Cougar player. Sydney Gerback, uh, Haley Alton will be a part of the pre and post game coverage uh, on America.org as well. I'll be a part of that. And if you if you're a, if you have Cox Sports on your in your depending on where you're you know listening to this, if you're in your area, if you have Cox Sports, we'll be on there as well on Thursday and Friday. As you mentioned, the, the schedule. Obviously, we kick off with. Wichita State and Tulsa, a big rivalry game. That's their 50th meeting will be on Thursday. They used to play back from the Missouri Valley days. They play yeah. every year in the midweek. Now they're conference rivals. That's a heck of a matchup. That'll start at 10 a.m. Houston and East Carolina, they go way back. Uh, they, they go to Conference USA days. That'll mm-hmm. be the 1230 game. And then UCF will play at 4 o'clock against Memphis. And then USF and Connecticut at 630. But American Digital Network, uh, if you have a Cox Sports uh, channel, We'll be on that. Check your local listings, as they say, and I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of full circle for me on a personal note, Jeff. My first conference tournament was 2007 in Orlando, and UCF hosted the Conference USA tournament. And if you remember, we covered that. It was myself, our good friend Matt Dunaway, who was a Houston SID at the time, but he had chipped in on the broadcast, Ira Green. We all provided the audio coverage of every game of that tournament, except for the championship game, which was televised on CSTV. So I was involved in, I don't know, there was probably, we, there was probably like 10 or 11 games in that tournament. I probably did like eight of them. So it's kind of full circle for me now that this is my 12th tournament. And now I'm going to be basically calling six games uh, on every game, except for the championship game. So it's kind of a full circle for me here uh, from 07 to 2018. So, you know, it means a lot. I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's a great tournament. And I think, to showcase this great sport and a great league that it is and uh, wish for the best. All right, man. I know I'll be watching on uh, the American Digital Network, uh, theamerican.org, and the, and the Digital Network is also available on, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, YouTube and Facebook as well. So yep. uh, Correct. definitely worth yep. checking yep. out. So, uh, again, we'll, and we'll send a link out as well. But Eric Lopez down in Tampa. Eric, enjoy the tournament. Have uh, Well, I was going to say have a good show, but have six good shows coming up Thursday and Friday. <laughs> Uh, enjoy and uh, make make sure you got make sure you got the cough drops ready. <laughs> cough drops, caffeine, you name it. I will be bunkered down. I'll be hunkered down. I'll be Lots in a bunker water. in the uh, press bunk. 
Yeah, yeah. It'll be, uh, but it should be fun. All right, man. Take it easy. Have fun. I'll talk to you. Thanks, bud. All right. All right, and thanks to Eric for uh, joining me there. Uh, Remember, he will be uh, live Thursday and Friday, both sessions on Thursday, and then the Friday semifinals on the American Digital Network. Uh, Theamerican.org is where you want to go. So, all right. Let's check in with uh, golf and tennis. Uh, And we'll start with um, golf here. We had... uh, uh, at least for women's golf, Kaylee Jones finished up her run in the NCAA regionals. Obviously, um, she was an individual qualifier. Uh, she finished tied for 46th place at five over par. Uh, so she will not advance to the nationals. But congrats on Kaylee Jones on uh, her participation in the Tallahassee regional. 46th in a field of uh, 96. But uh, still an achievement to get there nonetheless. Uh, Jennifer Cup Joe of Wake Forest, who's ranked number 10 in the country. She won the uh, regional at Tallahassee. She was 15 under par. Wow. Um, let's see here. Uh, women's tennis. All right. They begin their NCAA tournament journey down in Coral Gables. First round matchup against FIU, 11 a.m. on Friday, May the 11th. Friday, May the 11th. At 11 a.m., UCF against FIU, and you can get the live scoring of that on UCFnights.com. They're already down there. They were sharing some photos from um, from their trip down to Miami um, actually this afternoon. So um, best of luck to UCF women's tennis uh, back in the NCAAs for the first time in a long time, 16 years. Um, uh, what else do we have going on here? Uh, okay, so we, we talked about women's golf there at the Tallahassee Regional. Uh, men's golf, uh, they start their NCAA regional on Monday uh, in Kissimmee. Uh, They go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you can follow that on UCFnights.com. Rowing also, um, they uh, will, they're actually heading up to uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia, for the American Athletic Conference Rowing Championship. It's an all-day, one-day event Saturday. That's May the 12th, and you can watch it on the American Digital Network. Again, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Saturday, um, uh, UCF Rowing, looking to win a fourth consecutive conference championship is UCF Rowing. And track and field uh, is going to have their American Athletic Conference championship. It's being hosted by Cincinnati that goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all day. And that is also on the American Digital Network. They actually um, they have that. And then the um, East Region Championships for the NCAAs are, are scheduled to take place May 24th on Thursday. And that's what they're hoping to get to. But uh, UCF, if they can, uh, if they can get, uh, get the job done in Cincinnati, um, then they will get to the NCAA. So there you have it. There's your uh, wrap-up there for um, the spring sports with a lot of uh, conference championships coming your way. So um, I'm looking forward to rowing. I, I'll actually be, uh, I'll should be checking that out because, uh, you know, aside from Saturday in the softball final, but um, I'm interested to see if they can pull it off again. You know, um, uh, Becky so, Kramer doing, a, doing another awesome job for UCF rowing. It's a dynasty, unsung dynasty out there on the water. Oh, clearly the best. You know, you want to talk about domination? That's what they've been doing. So, and, and uh, and you owe it to yourself, Brian, to get down to their facility um, 
on Lake Pickett. They've hosted some meets there before. Um, I had the good fortune to go in there and actually following a meet, uh, once a practice and then also a meet um, on Lake Pickett. And it's the most amazing sports facility you'll see. It really is fantastic. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of athletes on the rowing team that, you know, they, they do it. They're not scholarship, as there are with a bunch of UCF teams. But particularly with rowing, they try out, it's, and, and, they're not, um, uh, and they're not scholarship athletes. But, you know, mm-hmm. they, but they dedicate themselves to this team. And uh, it's fun to see, uh, see them reap their rewards. So... Um, good for them. Hope they can come up with the championship here. So, um, all right. So as we finish up, Brian Murphy, what do you have coming up this week? I hope to have a preview of the baseball series on the site. Maybe we'll see Maybe. if I have time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, I still got, there's so many things I have yet to write that I need to get out there, but it'll happen. Jeff, just believe in me. Uh, time. Hey, look, we're, you, we're good. We got, listen, we got all kinds of stuff going out there. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I can always throw up another Adrian Killens highlight video and people. I did know, enjoy that. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Okay. I see. I see what it is. I, had, I, see I a found thing. a Mackenzie Milton one, you know, a couple, was it last week? Right. And I was like, oh, that, that kind of worked. Let's find Adrian Killens. I mean, really? I mean, and you know, maybe Otis Anderson next. Okay, that's what I, okay, so let's put this out there. All right, UCF fans, you're listening to this podcast. Let me know what the next highlight video is you want to see, like which player, all right? Send it to me, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. All right, I wanted to get that. That's good. There. And I'll find and it. And then the last thing I'll say is about, again, it's funny that I'm saying this because, again, it's the story I don't care about. But no matter what Scott Frost says, <laughs> no matter what Scott Frost says, UCF fans, uh, just remember, like, it's still not going to take away the rings that were made up or any of the shirts and national championship clothes that were made. Yeah, or you, don't that, have to, that, you don't have to return them to the bookstore. <laughs> the, ba- the banner that wraps around the practice field and the, and the lettering on the Roth Tower inside the stadium, like, those will still be there. This team will still consider itself national champions, and there's no reason why you can't do the same. Like, it, nothing Scott Frost says will change anything that's already happened. Like, they still beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Like, that actually happened. Hey, you know what I say? It's just embrace it and embrace the embrace being the being the squeaky wheel, right? Yeah. I mean, embrace being, sure. the, being the squeaky wheel and and calling out the system for what it is. And it's fantastic. I mean, because there's I got news for you. There's a... There's a lot of people who are a who are silently nodding their heads at UCF across the country right now because yeah. there's a lot of like we talked about there's a lot of FBS teams that feel like they're in the same boat with UCF that no matter what they do they won't get a fair shake and there's also a lot of people who hate the SEC and really hate Alabama. And speaking of which, if if you know, you can think whatever you want of the Scott Frost comments but please stop caring what Greg McElroy has to say. Like it doesn't <laughs> like if if it doesn't matter what Scott Frost has to say, it really doesn't matter what Greg McElroy says. Yeah, I see people out here getting very defensive. I want to save you from yourselves. Yeah. Stop it. Plus, you are you. Mackenzie Milton. Mackenzie un- Milton already 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 flamed Greg McElroy. You don't need to pile. You don't need to pile on. You don't need people to pile are. On. People are doing un, undue stress to their own health. They're, they're putting their, they're shortening their lifespans by yelling at Greg McElroy. Who cares? He's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to get hits in May on college football. There's nothing to talk about. Gosh, it's just, it's fabulous, isn't it? I mean, it's thank God. Thank God for football in May. 
to win. Thank God for football. All right. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Thanks again to uh, Eric for joining me uh, earlier today from Tampa. You can follow him at Eric Lopez Elo. Thanks to you, Brian Murphy, Spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter. Thank you, Jeffrey. And thanks to you for listening. Uh, remember, you can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Like us at facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. Follow us there for all the latest as well. And uh, follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. Thanks also to our sponsor, the Unger Real Estate Group. We Sell Orlando is where you want to go for information uh, on uh, Sam and his crew. So, And thanks, of course, to you, the listener. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We will catch you next week.